Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. You feeling stuck lately? Like life's passing you by? Get to know my acronym, my ambition, your ambition. Reconnect with your dreams, your goals, your ambitions. Find your motivation and start to live the life you desire. Explore the Maya, my ambition, your ambition podcast at mayaakai.com. Namaste, everyone. Welcome to another not as timely as it should be episode of Maya, my ambition, your ambition. And if you are a first-time viewer, listener, well, welcome aboard. And if you are a returning listener, well, welcome back. As you know, I like to describe my podcast as a podcast that is conversation that looks to embrace salient topics from a fresh and forward-thinking perspective. I tend to feel like I'm like that. I think I'm pretty spot on. Um, but the key thing is of the podcast is to focus on you know, pulling back that veil of self-doubt and sabotage that plagues so many of us in our lives and to help to identify our ambitions, those goals, those dreams, those plans, those things that you really want to achieve. But more importantly, how to harness the motivation to yield the satisfaction and success in your daily life. And I like to focus on daily living because it's the little things, I always say, that make a huge difference in our lives. So many people focus on the big things, you know, um, getting to the top of the mountain. But you can never forget about the path and, you know, the road that you travel to get to the top. All those steps along the way mean so much in the journey. And I want people to kind of step back and say, pay attention to the journey, not just the destination, so to speak. So just in case, this is episode nine. Um, if you've missed any of the previous episodes, um, one through eight, you can always go to mayakai.com and you can catch all the episodes there, as well as if you happen to have, let's say, a, podcore, a podcast platform of preference, say like iTunes, Google, or even iHeartRadio, you can find me there as well. Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition, and voila, you can listen to all the podcasts there as well. Of course, I'm going to push you towards mayakai.com, um, especially with episodes starting, I think, around six could be five. Um, there is there's podcast resources. So for some of the podcasts, I, I shared some additional information of how I began to build the podcast. So if you go to mayakai.com, you can go to the podcast resource section and voila, there's some additional things that can help you along this journey. Um, because this is not therapy, this is personal growth. But I do like to share my background and experience. Of course, I've been in mental health for 15 years, I have a master in clinical counseling. Um, so I'm a crisis intervention specialist. So though some people know me from sports, which I am timing out on right now and not watching, um, I have a whole other life outside of that. So I, I really wanted to begin to share with people, especially in a time of challenge and change. Um, people really kind of needed, I th thought, some direction. If I had any insight I could share, I wanted to. So with that being said, um, you know, I always tell people get comfortable, um, you know, find that place especially it's later at night, so you might be able to do this. Um, find that place that's quiet, that maybe you won't be disturbed for the next 45 minutes or so. Um, your couch, um, your favorite chair, maybe you're sitting in your bed listening to this. Um, either way, 
And you might be on the patio. It's summer. It's beautiful outside. So, you know, you might be outside listening to this and, you know, grab your beverage of choice. It might be, you know, a cup of coffee, tea, water, a glass of wine, beer, whatever the case may be, whatever's going to help you to relax and be able to connect with the podcast, you do so. So we can jump into talking about um, what I feel is that next kind of layer of conversation. So with that being said, um, one of the things I wanted to point out, because someone said, you know, man, I'm going through these episodes and it's a lot. And remember, though you may tune in and listen to something that I'm talking about, it doesn't mean that you have to move at the pace of whenever every single week an episode is released. You work within an episode as long as you need to, to be able to get to where you, you know, need to be and get the proper benefit from the podcast. You know, it really starts with episode four. We talked about, you know, attachment styles, those things that influenced you from your upbringing as a child that then kind of permeated it and kind of woven itself into your lives and understanding a, a lot about who you are and why you are who you are. But if it takes you a little bit of time to sit back and reflect on that, that's okay. You don't have to fast forward through these episodes because they're happening weekly. Move at your own pace. It doesn't mean you can't listen when you listen, but feel free to do this as kind of, you know, a self-learning kind of experience for yourself. You move at your own pace. There is no rush to move through these because if you're moving at a pace that's really allowing you to process the information, that's all that matters to me that you get something from it, but you don't have to get something from it at the pace that I'm presenting it. And of course, lots of people come to me and ask me some questions. Um, they may ask through my Facebook page um, in the messenger. Some people will um, go to mayakai.com because you can leave comments there and reach out to me that way. It shoots me an email and I've responded to individuals and gave them some additional resources on top of my podcast for something they were looking for. Like I have a question. I'm dealing with this specific issue. Could you give me some direction? I'm not here to counsel anyone, but I feel I'm a resource and I have lots of, you know, connections and resources I can share with people. So I've actually done that with quite a few people and given them some direction in some of the issues that they've struggled with. And that's part of why I want to reach out and do this. So episode nine, this is one for me that I really personally take a liking to. Because this is one of those things that we talked about communication styles, like if you're assertive, you know, if you're aggressive, if you're passive aggressive, passive, you know, kind of your approach. But when you start getting into the meat and potatoes of relationships, this is what's interesting. And someone said to me, okay, you've talked a lot about me, I'm doing the work, but I really want to get down and chomp at the bit about relationships, because I feel like I'm struggling with something. I feel like something is missing. Um, don't know if it's me, don't know if it's them, but I really want to try to figure some things out. And I said, well, huh. That's fair. We've done a lot of self-work and you can be as reflective on that as you as you want to be. Remember, there's three objectives we're working through these podcasts. You know, we want to not just be good. We want to be the, the greatest version of ourselves. We want to learn how to be objective. Put that in our toolbox that there may be times where we get in our feelings and we're subjective on situations. But to be able to step book and say, can you put that shoe on the other foot and maybe see why this unfolded the way that it did? Because remember, there's always three sides to the coin and then not being afraid to let go of comfort, convenience, and control. Because those are things that can hold you back from achieving the things that you want to do because you're afraid if it's not comfortable, if you're not in control, if it's not convenient, do I really want to do it? Well, like I tell you, some heavy lifting is often required to achieve the things in life you want. So every episode, keep those are the foundation things we're working on. Keep those in front of you. So episode nine, I think people will enjoy this. Um, how to spot and stop sabotaging important relationships. Now, mind you, the framework we're going to use is actually more about um, relationships, marriage, and couples. But I'm going to tell you, the research that has come from it, which was four decades of work, 
really can apply to so many of the other relationship realms. So those type of relationships would fall into that private realm. Remember, I have the four realms, that personal relationship you have with yourself, that private relationship that might be um, relationships with others, spouses, your children, family members, things of that nature, really close friends. Then you have a professional realm, you know, your boss, maybe coworkers, people that have us in a circle with you that's important. And then a pervasive realm with people that have a purpose in your life, but their level of importance is not as the same as maybe the, the, the previous relationship realms. But what's key is, can you spot and stop sabotaging important relationships? And a lot of people struggle with this. This is the one time I'm going to allow you and say, you can reflect on relationships and think about yourself and others as you process this information. I'm going to be okay with that this time around because it's important because we're talking about dynamics of relationships. And what we're going to use, and this is one of my favorites, um, when I studied this in school, I thought, you know, um, Dr. John Gottman put a lot of work into what he did. He literally put four decades of research into couples, um, married, single, you know, attached relationships. Um, and he's an American psychologist and researcher, and he did extensive work on divorce predictions and marital stability. And to me, that has a lot to be said because all the things that he discovered to me is something that you should be looking at perhaps before you even get to the idea of being married to someone important relationships in your life that maybe aren't even necessarily romantic related. These are all little things that he discovered that I think can play a role in so many of the other relationship realms that you have in your life. And what he did after his four decades of research, I mean, legitimately, he did a lot of heavy lifting in this. And there's actually called the Gottman method that a lot of therapists and clinicians use when they work in families and couples. They use his methods to work with individuals that are struggling or having some issues in their marriage. It's called the Gottman method. So you study it, you learn it, you got to get certified in it. And then if you happen to be within that counseling sphere, we work a lot of couples whether married or unmarried, you can, a lot of people use the Gottman method. And I have to say, it's very practical. And it's something that you can grasp, you can use, and it's not overthinking or overshooting anything. So what Dr. Gottman came up with is he called it the four horsemen of relationship sabotage. And of course, the four horsemen, it's, it's related to the depiction of the end of times and, you know, uh, the book of Revelation, obviously the New Testament, is the same concept where the four horsemen describe conquest, war, hunger, and death. And respectfully, in the Gottman method, they describe communication styles that can be predictive of an end relationship of, think about this, of sometimes relations start with conquest. Then they become very conflicted. They can become battles. And then often people become emotionally starved. And eventually when those three things play out, those relationships can end in death, which in turn could be a termination of that relationship and or divorce, whatever the case may be if you're married to someone. So this is kind of where the premise of the four horsemen of relationships sabotage comes from. Um, very interesting. Remember, um, I'm going to say all this and I want you to go to mayakai.com. Um, at the end of the show, I'm going to post in the um, podcast resource section um, for episode nine, some resources you can really dig deep into reading this specifically from the Gottman Institute. Um, you're going to find this very eye-opening. So this is why it's called the Four Horsemen. As you can kind of see, I've, I've likened it to the thing. But the key thing that Dr. Gottman looked at is that he asserted that there are specific patterns and interactions that can be detrimental in the destruction of relationships. Now, mind you, he did a lot of research on couples, married and unmarried, but like in obviously, um, let's say, 
committed long-term relationships, like people that were really established and felt they were invested in the relationship, not kind of people that were necessarily newer, even though now his method can be applied to newer relationships to help people better understand why they might have some defective issues in their relationship. So what he did in the four decades of research is he depicted, he said, that there are four horsemen in relationships that, that can sabotage a healthy relationship or maybe a relationship that's on the rocks. Um, these four horsemen were called criticism or defined as rather criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. Those were the four things that Dr. Gottman asserted that if these things continually take place within your relationship, it's a detriment and it's going to put you on the path to that relationship terminating or becoming so poor, you really can't coexist. And for those people who decide they can't do anymore, they get divorced or you've got two miserable people in a relationship that are no longer happy, which leads to all kinds of other things, abuse, infidelity, so on the list goes on, whatever the case may be. So what Dr. Gottman described in the first was criticism and with criticism, it's described as verbally attacking your partner's personality or their character. So it's interesting because people think, well, I heard there's constructive criticism. Well, one of the things that Dr. Gottman talked about is that within relationships, the chances of there being constructive criticism is slim to none, to be honest. Um, most people having the art and the tact of being constructive with their criticism and relationships, because most of us struggle with proper communication skills in the first place to even express what we're not happy about or what we'd like to see change. So if you struggle with those two things, chances of you being constructive are slim to none. So hence, criticism should be taken out of the scope of relationship altogether. One of the things that was talked about in every relationship has conflict discussions, but it's been proven a simple fact that how you start your conversations generally is how they were end. This is something before I even studied the Gottman method that I thought was very true, was that if you start out with anger, if you start out with mistrust, if you start out with doubt, if those are things are the basis of a conversation that you're entering into someone, which is an important conversation, how would you ever expect the outcome to be positive, thought provoking, or have any real resolution? Because you're approaching it negatively. One of the things I said in episode eight, and I'm just gonna keep kind of threading it through every single episode. Where your focus is, your energy follows. I stole that from somebody. I love stealing people's coin phrases, but that one I love. And that just pretty much says that if you're focused on, I know you're going to lie to me. I don't particularly, I'm not going to care for how you're going to respond to me. Then your energy is waiting to get that response. You're waiting to hear what you think they're going to say that fits where your focus is. Many people are guilty of this because they just make the assumption that this is how it's going to be, not opposed to this is how it should be. So when you talk about criticism, you have to know that there's something that's really key about criticism that most people sometimes tend to forget is that you should know the difference between criticism and complaint. This is why criticism is removed out of the conversation what's healthy in relationships and you want to replace it with complaint. Now, some people would say, well, doesn't that just sound equally as negative? I'm complaining. But the difference between a complaint versus criticism is complaint is about changing a specific behavior. Whereas in relationship realms, 
criticism is an attack on a person. So there's nothing resolution about it. It's, it's simply attack on their character or personality. So understanding complaint versus criticism is extremely important when you're trying to be able to communicate with somebody something that's very important. So for instance, um, an example of complaint versus criticism. A complaint would be something like, um, I was scared when you were running late and you didn't call me. I thought we had agreed we would do something that for each other that we would kind of bridge this gap. So you kind of show a little vulnerability um, and you didn't attack the person as, in, by saying something, for instance, like, um, you never think about your behavior, um, how it affects other people. I don't believe that you are so forgetful, you're so selfish, and you think, you don't never think of others. You think the world revolves around you. You never think about me. That's literally a criticism. And what gets lost in that particular interaction between two people is the minute you start saying, you're forgetful, you're selfish, you think the world revolves around you, you never think about others. I'm gonna ask you a question. When people talk to you like that, do you really tend to connect and say, you know, you're right, I am very selfish and I think the world does revolve around me. I was, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, I am the sun and that everything is revolving around me. No, the minute you become critical of someone, they tend to shut you out and they're not gonna necessarily agree with anything you had to say. So it's important to address the behavior, which is the complaint, like you're running late again, you know, and they're, they're kind of expecting us to be on time. You know, what can we do next time that, you know, how can I help you to like, you know, deal with your timeliness? I know you struggle with it, but they were expecting us to be there. Now we're running late and I hate to be the people who walk in late. What can we do to, to address it? So you're not necessarily attacking them. You're saying, I know there's a problem. I don't like it. So what can I do to accommodate you to help you deal with it? So just know the difference, you know, between obviously criticism and complaint. Find the issue you take exception with with your significant other. And here's interesting, when I said this can play through through other relationships, it can. So for instance, um, let's say you are a, you manage people. That's why I said, even though Gottman did great work at looking at relationships with couples, a lot of his work can, can totally translate into other realms of your life, your, your professional realm. So say you manage people and you have, for instance, an employee that is constantly late and you want to address this issue before it turns into like a corrective action situation. So you could be the boss that, you know, just shoots straight from the hip and could be like, hey, Maya, this is the third time this week that you've been late. And this is creating a problem because when you're late, we have to reset things or we couldn't start the meeting or better yet, everyone is expected to be here clocked in and at their workstation at this time. If you keep showing up late, then everyone's going to have an issue with this. It's very confrontational. It's like you're never on time. It, to me, it makes me feel like you don't care about being on time and you take it as a joke that you're supposed to be on time. So now you're kind of attacking that person's character. So that's turned into a criticism, though it's a legitimate issue that needs to be discussed. It's how you approach it. The difference could be in more of obviously the complaint would be, hey, Maya, can I talk with you about something? Sure. So I've noticed the last couple times that you've clocked in late and I just wanted to talk with you because you know, obviously attendance is one of the important things here we take seriously. We expect everyone to be on time. Is there something going on? Is there something that I can be accommodating with? I just wanna make sure that I'm not missing something. I know a lot of things go on in people's lives and sometimes we don't think about it. So I, I, I don't think by any stretch of the person that you don't respect you know, being timely at work, boom. So you set the conversation up to be open and to talk 
opposed to being confrontational. So see right here with this criticism versus complaints, the Gottman method really shows how you could use that same approach, whether it's professional, a conversation with your kids, a conversation with your best friend, a conversation with your parents. You can have this conversation with anyone. It's about how you approach the conversation with them as opposed to being critical can you address the issue in a way that doesn't make them feel like, you know, you're insulting them in some way, attacking their personality or their character? The next um, horseman that Gottman talked about that I thought was really interesting um, is the contempt. Most people be like, if there's contempt in your relationship, how can this possibly be, you know, a good thing. Like, why are you with someone that you have contempt for? Well, we probably all could agree when we first meet people that we start relationships with a healthy approach, that we, you know, we admire someone, we're enamored with them, we're infatuated with them. Um, relationships generally start out blissful. Now, occasionally there are some that can start out a little rocky and you'll be like, wow, okay, we just kind of hit the ground running, not seeing eye to eye. Probably something you should pay attention to personality matches up seriously. But with that being said, contempt as it begins to grow within relationships is that communication state where others are treated or you would treat or you could feel you're being treated with disrespect that someone is mocking you or you may mocking them with sarcasm. You may really ridicule them, call them names and mimic them. You know, your body language usually is eye rolling, just disgust contempt. So you could be like, you know, I really don't like. Now, mind you, is there a difference between me saying, you know, I really don't particularly like when this happens. There is a look in my face that's softer, that's not as aggressive, and doesn't show disdain or disgust. Where I can say, you know, when you do this, it really turns me off. That right there sends a whole different message and it's going to engage the person in an entirely different way with you because body language is a huge part, obviously, of communication as we've learned in different communication styles with passive, aggressive, passive, aggressive, and assertive. The key thing about contempt is that it makes other people often feel despised or worthless. And as that begins to build with people, then your relationship begins to suffer. Put the shoe on their foot. If it's you, have you ever felt the way a person addresses you seems so disrespectful and that you often feel at times that literally they don't, they don't particularly care for you though you're in a relationship with them. You know, you may hear someone say kind of verbiage like, you know, you're tired. Say a situation happens, you're tired. <laughs> Cry me a river. You know, I do this, I do that. I'm doing all this stuff and you come home and you think all of a sudden things should be accommodating to you. Really? I can't believe you feel that way. It shows a contempt for the fact that person may be having something going on, but the way that you're addressing them, assuming that you are this way, you may not be a person this way, but you may have a strong communication skill and this could be you. So with that being said, contempt is something that really doesn't necessarily start in the beginning as much as maybe criticism starts to creep up first. And then here comes contempt. The next of the horsemen that Dr. Gottman put into his method and said can be very sabotaging, and if they're not corrected, could end a relationship or a relationship that when people are married could end in divorce, would be defensiveness. So defensiveness is that, that communication style, which usually is a response to criticism. 
So this particular horseman or communication channel, as I said, is nearly almost omnipresent when relationships are on the rocks. Like I said, these are progressive horsemen. You know, even in the in the four horsemen of the apocalypse, they kind of ride in separately, but when they get together, you know, it's the end, it's over, it's done. Same concept with Gottman's four horsemen. So defensiveness, pretty much, when this one shows up in a relationship, you know things are not in a good place. Um, and often people feel unjustly accused. Um, they fish for excuses. And often this is time when people play the victim in many of these situations when they get to, you know, this defensive mode. So a question could be like, say for instance, you were asked to do something. So say, um, I would say, hey, did you call so-and-so and let them know that we weren't coming tonight? Um, I promised them in the morning I'd let them know because let's say I gave you that task. And let's say you forgot to do it, whatever the case may be. Um, the response you might get from a person who's at that point feeling like they can't do anything right and their relationship is on the rocks might be, you know, I was just too busy today. Um, matter of fact, you know, you know how busy my schedule is. Um, why didn't you just do it? And they push it back. They get defensive. Like you put that on me, but you knew what had to be done. You know how busy my schedule is. Why didn't you just do it? So now I didn't do it. And now I'm the bad person. So now I'm the person that's wrong. And I didn't forget on purpose. This is when two people clearly no longer see eye to eye. They don't see eye to eye anymore. Um, and they feel like by becoming defensive and playing a victim role in this case, that somehow it's going to make the partner stand down and not push so hard and let them be. Now, let's be honest, that tactic is almost never successful. Um, the excuses you tell your partner um, they often feel like it's just an excuse that you don't take their concerns seriously. And the key thing is they feel like you're not taking responsibility for your mistakes. That's a key thing. So here it is. I asked you to do something and you said that you would. And because you forgot to do it, opposed to just saying you forgot, now you're going to put it back on me. Like I said, all of these communication states within relationships are progressive over time. How this can play into defensiveness. Sometimes you may see this um, kind of behavior in children. Um, let's just say, unfortunately, you have high expectations for your children, which there's nothing wrong with that. But there always have to strike that balance of nature, nurture, you know, obviously praise, obviously with when something's wrong, you share with them like, you know, let's talk about what happened here so we can get some clarity on it. But if you always make a child feel like they can't do anything right, chances are they may often fall into a, a defensive mode with you when they answer questions like they feel like I have to make excuses or lie opposed to being able to tell you the truth about what really happened, because I feel like you won't accept that from me. Same thing applies often in work dynamics that say you forgot to do something and it was a really important part of your project or task. And it maybe let's say caused issues. Some people literally will find an excuse and say, you know, I feel like I did all the work on the project. I forgot to do that. But you know, why did all this fall on me opposed to taking ownership? And then sometimes from your boss's perspective, it makes them feel like, you know, all you had to do is say you forgot it and we'll have to fix the problem. But being accountable is one thing, but you not taking responsibility, it doesn't mean all of a sudden they're going to see you as the victim as you want to play that you were the victim. So again, and this is interesting because even within work dynamics and relationships, most people don't start out being defensive. It starts out with maybe complaint versus criticism in their work dynamic. And then it may roll into contempt and then it gets to defensiveness and you start to bump heads with maybe a coworker or, or a boss or on the flip side, maybe you're the person in that management role and you're seeing these things unfold and you're seeing this behavior. Step back and say, let me 
take a closer look at why this person behaves this way. Is it something of how I've responded to them that makes them feel like they can't take accountability? So not only are you taking a hard look at yourself and how you respond, this is that kind of relationship dynamic interaction that you can pay attention to these cues from your significant other and say, I just feel like that person was being a little defensive with me. Why, why is that? We need to probably talk about this and really talk about it. And we'll get into some antidotes um, a little bit later into the episode, things that you can keep in front of you when you think about trying to address or fix these issues to start out with. The final horseman for the Gottman method is stonewalling. And stonewalling occurs when the person you're talking to, the listener withdraws from the interaction. They shut down. They simply stop responding to their partner. They just kind of shut you out in one ear, out the other, if it even enters into an ear to come out the other ear. They just, at this point, have shut you out, shut you down. And this is where communication is locked down in relationships and nothing can change. And this is so unhealthy because this is really when you're like on that path to either breaking up or going to divorce or feeling like you need a new job or all of a sudden you and your kids just, you don't understand me. You don't see eye to eye. It doesn't seem like anything you do is right. And this is because at that point, Stonewalling usually is a response to what they feel is contempt. <laughs> Seriously. Remember, this is this is something, a building block. Each one leads to the next one. So people who stonewall, um, they feel like they're trying to find evasive maneuvers, like tuning you out, turning away, or acting busy not to deal with you overall because they feel like it's going to be nothing short of criticism, obviously, and it's going to be conflict and there'll be no level of accountability from you or they may just have that worldview of people in general. But if you're talking about more specifically within your relationships, somewhere along the way you've disconnected and either you fail to be able to see things at times from their perspective, or you've played the victim too much because you feel like, well, I, I do feel like it's you and not me. It can always be somebody else. But the question is, if it really is you and not me, you need to step back and take a really hard look at your relationship. If you feel that what's gone wrong in your relationship is 100% someone else's fault, then I would ask you why you're still there. Because it doesn't seem like there's of any benefit to be with someone that can never do anything right in your eyes or can't make you happy. That's the challenge within it all. So I'm going to put together some fantastic ways to start to look at your behavior, your significant other behavior, maybe your boss's behavior, your children's behavior. Even though it started out four decades of looking at relationships, he really put on the table some key things to help you to truly evaluate communication styles within relationships themselves, those more intimate and connected relationships. And to say, is it me that's presenting this issue? Is it my significant other? Are we both a little guilty? And maybe we need to learn in the meet in the middle. So with that being said, how to stop self-sabotaging your relationships? Assuming that it's you. Remember, one of the big things that we're doing here with Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition. Remember, you can go catch all the other episodes at mayakai.com um, and check out the podcast resources. Click on the tab. But of course, if you have a podcast platform of preference, I'm never going to tell you to deviate away from, from what you like. You know, you can always do that. But you can always go find me on iTunes, Google Play, as well as iHeartRadio and a couple others. There's tons of pod, podcast platforms. But those are three that um, I know a lot of people tend to listen to, you can always find my episodes there and listen to uh, all those different episodes one through eight, which is building blocks up to this point. Um, this is now how to take all that information and to start to say, how can I insert this into my relationships to see what's working, what's not working? Why am I not happy? This is that first step. And if it's how you communicate with somebody, 
is probably often one of the first big steps in establishing and maintaining relationships. If you communicate poorly, chances are what you feel will never actually be understood because you won't know properly how to communicate it and vice versa for your significant other. So when you start seeing these type of communication styles, AKA tactics, you can say, you know something, wow, I kind of feel like we're at this defensive stage. So have we moved to like, you know, DEFCON 3 in our relationship? Is this the third horseman? Are we really headed towards, you know, an apocalyptic ending to this relationship that we've been invested in for 10 years? Remember, these build upon each other. And that final one is stalling when you just shut people out around you because you feel like, I don't feel like hearing it. They don't hear me. I'm not feeling it. I'm done. Whether it's a significant other, whether it's a job, whether it's friendships, you know, your kids might shut you down like that. That means something has happened, the communication is lost, and that relationship pretty much is about to fall apart if it already hasn't. And if you want to find a way to redeem it, if you want to try to salvage it, then communication is that first step to say, you know, I'm hearing something in what you're saying to me, and this is not the proper way to communicate. How can we fix this? How can we change our trajectory, so to speak? Um, because this means something to me, and I feel like we've been on this path for a long time. There must be a different roadmap. There has to be a different path for us to travel, to get us back to where we were when we were happy. Or perhaps going to back to where you were when you were happy is not where you need to be right now. That's the other thing, too. Evaluating is where you are and if it's where you need to be. And then you can proceed to figure out what's best. Sometimes you got to step apart and say, let me think about me. You think about you. And let's come back together and figure out how we think we got to this point, honestly, from each other's perspectives. And maybe some of this will align and there is something we can fix. Or maybe we'll decide that this isn't something that is fixable. So how can you stop self-sabotaging your relationships? Well, a key thing. Let's keep it simple. Being able to identify these four horsemen in your conflict discussions is the first step in eliminating them. So to be able to see, you know, um, complaint versus criticism, being able to see contempt, being able to see defensiveness, being able to see, you know, stonewalling, whether it's you or someone else that you're in a relationship with, your children, your significant other, your boss, being able to identify these interactions are key. But here's a key thing. Knowledge is not enough to drive away destructive communication and conflict patterns. Because what these are are patterns of behavior, not just communication styles. You must replace them with healthy and productive ones. So like they say, knowledge is just identifying and, 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 and saying, yes, this is the case. It's just the first step in the process. But what you do with that information, once you have it, that's the bigger part, the bigger piece of the puzzle that you have to work on. So let's talk about an antidote to criticism, simple. Focus on forming complaints of specific behaviors, but don't criticize or attack the person's personality or character. You know, the antidote for criticism is to complain without blame. That's pretty straightforward. Complain without blame. Remember, as your focus goes, your energy follows. So if you start out with wanting to be negative, name calling, being, you know, just absolutely refusing to be meet me somewhere in the middle and accept that a mistake has been made, then chances of you resolving it isn't going to work because if you start out talking negative, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. We've all heard that in our entire lives. 
So if you start out talking negative and attacking my character, chances of me really hearing what you're saying is going to be lost in translation. And if this has been going on for long periods of time, chancing me of, of having a shift or adjusting, I'm going to, on the opposite side, as the recipient of the conversation, I pretty much have already shut you down. I'm probably already at the stonewalling stage. So hence, I'm not going to hear what you have to say. But if you tell me a specific behavior that bothers you, remember, it's how you structure the conversation. Hey, you know, can I talk to you about something? Now, you know, we've got this wedding coming up and I'm supposed to be helping so-and-so. We got to be there on time. You know, you run late a lot. I know you don't mean to. Stuff happens, but we got to be on time. She needs me there at three. So either I can just go and meet you there, even though I wanted to ride with you, so I would not have to worry about driving. But if it's easier for me to do this, then let's do this and you can just meet me there at this time. Or worst case scenario, you can drop me off. Or worst case scenario, you know what? We go two hours early. Come up with solutions, but address the behavior, and then maybe some possible solutions are the best way to approach things. So remember, knowledge is not enough when you're trying to legitimately stop destructive communication and conflict patterns. You acknowledge it, but now you got to have an antidote with how to fix it. That's the key thing. Okay, so criticism. The antidote complain without blame. And that means the person listening can be far more in tuned and dialed in because they don't feel like you're assaulting their personality or character, not insulting, but assaulting them and insulting them at the same time. All right. So the second horseman contempt. what can be the antidote for contempt? Okay. So contempt, you know, you want to build a culture of appreciation and respect in your relationship. Ask yourself a question. For some reason with your significant other, if you feel superior, ask yourself why. If you feel like you're better, and there are people who feel that way, like this person should do this to keep me around because I'm the cat's meow. If you feel somehow you're more superior in the relationship, chances are that pattern of behavior from you has totally been emulated throughout your relationship, which has created a certain amount of contempt for them, like you're doing them a favor. So, a culture of appreciation means I respect you for who you are. I appreciate you for who you are. I accept you for who you are. At some point, you have to stop being with people with expectations of who they could be, and you must be in the moment right now. Accept people for who they are right now. And if something better comes down the road and they evolve into something greater, fantastic. But waiting for that moment of change or that shift to happen that may never happen can be a detriment to your relationship and can create contempt. So you have to learn to appreciate people for who they are in the moment. And that will help your relationship to grow. But if you constantly make a person feel inferior or they're not good enough or they just you have them around because it's convenient for you, then you're going to create a contempt for them. And it's not going to be a healthy relationship. And you're already the second horseman's already arrived in your relationship. The third horseman defensiveness, what would be the antidote to that? So the key thing about defensiveness is about a lack of taking responsibility for one's actions and kind of playing the victim role. Well, the antidote that's going to be is take responsibility for your part of the conflict and work towards a compromise. Here comes another dirty C word. We're going to throw that into the pile of things that I need you to be able to be comfortable with sometimes being able to forfeit them in order to hit a greater goal. So the other C's were comfort, convenience, control, and let's ask compromise in there because a lot of people hate the idea of having to meet someone in the middle. You know, often you hear people say, meet me where I'm at. And if you meet me where I'm at, perhaps we can do better at what we're doing. But if you expect me to be where you are and I'm not there, 
then chances are we're going to have issues along the way. The journey should be walking this path together, not that you're 10 feet ahead of me. Maybe occasionally you might be one or two, but there should never be a great difference with in key relationships and perspective and where you are in regards to your happiness and expectations of one another. You should always be discussing these things. So defensiveness, the best way to not feel you have to play the victim role is what part of this conflict is my issue? Did I not share proper information? Did I not tell you that I'm helping so-and-so with this wedding and so I, I have an obligation to be there early? Or did I just kind of share, hey, you know, so-and-so is getting married, we're going this day, but then I spring on you maybe last minute, but you didn't know you needed to preserve that much time to accommodate me. It's about, did you share the right amount of information? At that point, you may say, you know something, I didn't tell you that I was helping. So if it's not going to work for you to, you know, go with me at that time. Could you maybe drop me off because I don't want to drive. I got lots of stuff I have to do. Or maybe I'll just drive and meet you there. Find a compromise to deal with defensiveness. And then the fourth and final horseman in the relationship potential apocalypse is stonewalling. What's the antidote to stonewalling? Well, here's what's interesting. And this is probably the one, because remember at this point, if you're at stonewalling, it means your your relationships like in DEFCON 5, um, the apocalypse is upon you and chances of it abbreviating any kind of future you have is there. The world as you know it will probably end when people start shutting you out, tuning you out and just don't want to hear you anymore. So the antidote to that would be is to practice psychological self-soothing. It's really the first step is self-soothing to stop conflict discussions and call a timeout. So that's when you might say, um, okay, we've actually talked about this before. And I always feel when we get to this point, somehow we're not listening to each other. Um, I think something gets lost in our conversations and nothing gets resolved. And it just kind of gets swept under the rug, but we're both looking at this rug and it's a big humping pile of something underneath there that we need to address. So because I don't think we're listening to each other anymore, because at this point, defensiveness and contempt, and obviously criticism is just all over it, say, let's just time out and let's maybe try to revisit this at another time because I don't think we're getting anywhere. And I think the more we do this, the less of ourselves and the more our relationship suffers. Let's time out and let's come back and let's talk about this when we feel like we're in a better space. So I'll reach out to you or you can reach out to me when you're ready to discuss it again. But I want to do it when it's the right time because this matters to me. But I feel like we are self-sabotaging our relationship by failing to communicate properly. And this pattern of conflict, I feel like, has been around for a while. And I don't know why, but if we don't address it now, I'm not sure where we go. So let's just talk about it later. Hmm. Okay. Okay, let's talk about it later. That's fair. And if you got a person who's open-minded, you might turn over a leaf that they didn't expect. Now, mind you, you trying to do the right thing doesn't always equate and everyone's going to agree with your actions. But you're trying to bridge the gap. You're trying to make things better. So that's Dr. John Gottman's The Four Horsemen of Relationship Sabotage. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. All things that are detrimental conflict patterns in your relationships that maybe aren't just romantic relationships. You may see this in friendships you have with people that you've, you feel are close, but you have constant conflicts. You argue a lot. You may see this in some work dynamics you have with a boss or with peers. You may see this in relationships with your children. You feel like no one's listening. Like, I'm talking. They're not listening. What's going on? You know, because often a person may feel like when you talk, all you do is criticize me. So why should I listen? I feel like you don't even like me. I can't tell you how many times I've actually heard children say about their parents, I don't think they like me. Isn't that a strange thing that you hear a child say about their parent? But that's the interaction. It's that conflict pattern and that communication style that's existed for so long. They now have the impression their parents don't particularly care for them. 
So just imagine that. So it's a big step back. And it's, trust me, all this information is a lot to process. But if you process it patiently, like I said, take it episode by episode. Don't feel that you have to keep up at the pace that I'm doing the episodes. Because if it takes you a little longer to process something because you really want to get something from it, then so be it. Work at your pace. This is self-reflection at your pace because they're obviously podcasts and you can go back and listen at any time. So with that being said, we're about at the 42 mark and I said I would not keep you longer than necessary. So remember everyone, you can always listen to episodes of Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition at mayakai.com. There will be a supporting resource for this podcast, episode nine, how to spot and stop sabotaging your relationships. So just go to mayakai.com, click on the podcast resource section, episode nine, and you'll be able to kind of read through some things in more and deeper detail. Um, if for some reason that you have a podcast platform of your choice, it may be iTunes. You can subscribe to follow me, of course. It may be Google or it could be iHeartRadio. I'm there as well and some others. Just go and search for Maya my ambition, your ambition, and you can subscribe and follow my podcast there as well. Remember, you should always get social with me too. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maya underscore Akai. And of course on Facebook, Maya Akai presents uh, as well as these episodes will go live. Eventually I will get it right with my timing at another kind of take me off my square thing that happened yesterday. Something about my past Thursdays or Wednesdays have been quite challenging um, but I've managed to process them, get my energy back and get back to doing what I'm, I'm passionate about, which is sharing information and hopefully helping others to be able to you know, address issues that they have. Um, like I said, the whole purpose of this podcast is to help you to identify your ambitions, learning to harness that motivation to help you acquire the success and satisfaction you seek in your everyday life. Remember, there's three things we're striving for as we're looking to get to that better version of yourself. Don't settle for good. Good is the enemy of great. Learn that objectivity is one of the most important tools you can put into your self-reflection toolbox. And of course, learning to be able to forfeit comfort, control, convenience, and even compromise is something you got to add into there are such key things when you're talking about trying to get to the better version of yourself. With that saying, everyone, thank you for tuning in to episode nine. Hopefully you enjoyed. Um, I feel like I'm getting more and more listeners. So thank you for listening and also sharing. Keep giving me your feedback. Like I said, if you have any questions, you can always um, send me a message on Facebook, of course, on myakai.com. You can put comments or you can send emails and I will definitely address those. Um, there will be a reflection that will be coming up that will be episode eight and nine combined together because um, I have gotten some questions. So I'm looking to kind of group a couple episodes together. So until next time, everyone, remember, your present becomes your past, which makes your future no more. So live every day to the fullest as if it matters. It's a unique experience for you. All right, everybody, until next time, enjoy your weekend. Get inspired, get motivated with Maya Akai and the Maya my Ambition, Your Ambition podcast. Something that I take pride in is trying to be forward thinking, thinking outside the box, challenging myself. And as I challenge myself, hopefully I challenge you. Find Maya on Twitter and Instagram at Maya underscore Akai. On Facebook at Maya Akai Presents. We're going to talk health, wealth, fitness, mental health, financial, lots of different things that can empower you as you seek out the ambition that you're pursuing. That you're pursuing. Or get everything Maya at MayaAkai.com.
Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and four plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com. It's Cole's Friends and Family Sale. With an extra 20% off, save on Keurig Coffee Makers. Get twin XL bedding sets for just $47.99. And with 25% off top active brands, save on Under Armour gear for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. 20% offer valid July 30th through August 2nd with promo code SHOPFAMILY. 25% off Under Armour valid July 29th through August 9th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.